The High Red Marketer podcast is sponsored by the Zemi app, enabling colleges and universities to engage interested students before they even apply. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Today on the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast, Bart and I speak with Dr. Michael Horwitz of the TCS Education System about increasing outcomes for higher ed leaders through formal and courageous collaboration. And I love the conversation that we had with Dr. Horowitz. Uh, He is an expert on how to use benchmarking and also how to market to adult learners. And I believe he shares a lot of best cases for our listeners to do the same at their institutions. That's right, Troy. I think that there's a, a lot of really good information in this episode. Dr. Horowitz kind of spent some time at the beginning talking a little bit about TCS and and how they do the radical collaboration with among different schools and, and how they uh, set that up as part of their organization. But I think it is really kind of critical when we get, get to the point, maybe about five, 10 minutes into the interview, we start talking about adult learning and, and really some specifics on the expertise that Dr. Horowitz brings with with his experience with adult learning and and how to market to them and how TCS does a lot of that marketing as well. I think it's really important to listen to that and, and really understand a little bit about how that radical collaboration can play out even at your own school. He is a great leader and interesting conversationalist. And here's our conversation with Dr. Michael Horowitz. Dr. Horowitz, before we get into our conversation about the TCS education system, I'd like to ask you, is there anything that you've learned recently that's interesting or new that you can share? Well, that's a great question, Troy. Interestingly enough, I learned this morning in the higher ed press that uh, two universities announced that they were going to uh, try to form a nonprofit education system and uh, we had a mention in the article and I'm excited to see that people are recognizing the power of the model and understanding it. Uh, A few years ago when we were talking to the leadership of WASC, our major accreditor, uh, they asked me if we could have a hundred colleges within TCS and I said I don't know that that is our goal or should be, but I'd like to see a uh, hundred systems like ours uh, take hold. And so that that was a fun way to start off today to read about that. Of course, and a great way to segment, or excuse me, segue into our conversation. If you would, tell everyone who you are, your role, and what TCS education system, the model that it promotes and works under. Okay, great, thank you. Um, So I'm Michael Horowitz, uh, PhD. I have a a, a doctorate in clinical psychology and trained to be a a psychologist and a psychoanalyst. I got very interested along the way in the promise of psychology as an independent profession. 
and became very active and spent many years in schools of professional psychology in different roles, faculty, administrator, eventually president of the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. And I served in that role from 2000 to 2010. In 2009, I decided to found a TCS education system, the community solution in higher education. I had wonderful colleagues and wonderful board members who supported that vision. What I came to understand is even though we had had great success growing the Chicago School from about 200 students to over 3,000 and having a, a national footprint, that we needed to bring colleges and universities together in a formally uh, governed model. And so in 2009, we created the framework. And in 2010, we went live. Uh, and uh, today, we're up to five colleges and universities. We're on the cusp of a sixth university joining us in 2023. And so we are an integrated nonprofit system. And what we're about is working collaboratively to advance institutional sustainability, student success, and community impact. Thank you. And I think one of the ways that you describe that is with the term the power of radical cooperation or radical cooperation. Can you expand upon that? I'd love to, because it's, uh, it's our bread and butter. You know, there's that old saw that culture eats strategy. And when you create an integrated nonprofit system and you ask faculty, staff, boards to work across the nation and really across the globe, because we've continued to advance our activity around the world. You have to double down every day on the notion of it's one organization, one system. We're working to support each other. You know, higher ed is kind of distinct in being radically non-cooperative. And that might be another podcast where we could look at the reasons for that. If you go to most sectors, you know, of, of society, there's no way to solve big problems without working in what I would define as a radically uh, cooperative way. I, I just read a piece on Houston having the most success in dealing with homelessness and, of any of our big cities. And what was striking is part of the discussion was various agencies and nonprofits that interface with that population had to work with each other in a cooperative way that they never had before. So radical cooperation means that's our, our biggest cultural value. Uh, we're looking at each other as teammates. We're trying to figure out the best way forward for our students, for our colleges. Uh, and you asked about what I'd learned recently, I, but I've learned things over many years. There's a great TED Talk, one of my favorites, by a, a Boston consulting uh, person, Eve Moreau, that talks about where businesses and organizations lose the most impact and productivity is by not working together. And so it's, a, it's those are not things you can necessarily measure 
on a budget or in a metric, but you can feel it and you will see the impact uh, on those metrics. Yeah, I think that's so interesting that you say that, Dr. Horowitz, because I've, I've worked with Lumina Foundation for Education for years, and they, um, you know, they have had their, uh, their big goal, the goal 2025, where they want to see 60% of the you know, adults in the United States having a post-secondary you know, post, uh, uh, post degree of some kind, whether it's in professional training or, or a bachelor or otherwise. And, and I think sometimes about the idea that as higher education marketers, we get so worried that we're competing against each of us. A lot of times we're competing against life. Um, you know, a lot of students don't end up in our programs because of life and not necessarily because they go to the other school. And so I think that even as marketers, this idea of radical co cooperation is, is appealing to me because maybe you can tell us a little bit about how, I mean, when I think about, you know, organizations like yours, I know a lot of this, the state independent college associations often have, you know, purchasing you know, agreements that they'll do with, with large, you know, software vendors or IT or different things like that. But what you're talking about goes beyond just purchasing. I mean, we're talking about, you know, radical cooperation in other aspects of the, of the campus as well, correct? Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought up that experience of state associations. Uh, in my 10 years as president of the Chicago School, I, I went to the Illinois version and there were always great aspirations to do things together. It seemed like the core emphasis, and that's my observation on most of the associations, was to lobby as a group for state funding. That's absolutely important and the right thing to do. I didn't see anything else of impact. And part of my diagnosis or desire to do something different is you have to formally tie it together at the governing level. If you don't have buy-in from the boards of trustees and the leadership, the rest of it's not gonna work. There are too many competing factors. And so I started TCS from an academic premise that bringing colleges with passion for their programs, their communities together, uh, there was absolutely every expectation will be better as a group. Um, and you're absolutely right that you should be able, and we do, buy at better cost or better quality or both by being as a group. And that, that's one small part of it. Uh, but really the biggest part you have to get right up front is How's everybody at every level going to commit uh, to this being a united effort? Yeah, yeah. And then the purchasing is almost the easiest. Like, well, of course, but again, here's where culture comes in. We, we don't necessarily strive to say we're going to save money. We'd rather create the biggest impact with our dollar. So often that means our colleges might be spending the same but for something much higher level. Right. So as an, if you're going to do that with technology, you have to have the agreement. We can debate the system, and then we're going to decide it's one system. Right. Because that, then that's where the breakdown happens, in my experience, when you don't have it tied up at the top level. So we're all in agreement. Let's look at different systems. Let's have presentations. And then let's agree we're going to pick one so we can drive the best price, we can get the most 
expertise and off we go. And sure, there's there are arguments to be made for system B, C, and D that we didn't choose, but you're going to get the high impact from that commitment to being a team. Right, right. And is it true, too, that the idea that the, even with, um, you know, I t- said earlier when I set up my question that, you know, we're often competing against life. I think, though, that in the nature of the way education is going, I mean, we've seen radical shifts in, you know, telephones and other industries, a computer and how, you know, there's, you know, somebody comes in with like the iPhone came in and it totally upended everything that we knew about a, a mobile phone. I think that we're on the cusp of something like that happening in higher ed. And I think that's going to be outside of what is known as the traditional higher ed. I mean, we've, we've heard talks from Google and, and other uh, large corporations about ideas that they have to fix the brokenness of, of, of higher education. And so I think in some ways, um, you know, people are always going to need and always want to have traditional higher ed, the, the experience, the, the student experience, everything that there is in traditional higher ed, that's always going to be uh, something that's going to be wanted, but my fear is is that if we're not doing this radical co- cooperation and we're we're just kind of putting our head down in the sands and doing our own things, something big is going to come along and going to shift the entire playing field. Is it, is that part of what you are talking about or thinking about with the with the TCS system as well? Uh, I agree with most of what you said. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I'll temper it. I'll temper it with that. Uh, higher ed, for better or for worse, has been resistant and resilient in fending off a lot of innovation. Uh, so again, that, that, that requires a few books uh, to be written about it because it's gotta be more than 10 years ago where Clayton Christensen uh, wrote that, uh, and he's a great theorist, but basically, you know, American higher ed's gonna get wiped out and we're just gonna see big for-profit online uh, take over everything, and you know he, and and he'd had uh, good presentations, sort of explaining how for a while the American car industry got wiped out by innovations coming from Japan and other countries. So, in a way, I'm going to say, not so fast. I'll 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 focus in on what we do. Right, we we're affording high access to adult students, by and large, seeking important professional degrees. So uh, these are degrees and uh, professions that are overwhelmingly licensed. They take a big commitment, whether it's becoming a psychologist, a lawyer, a medical doctor. So the way we're teaching in those spaces absolutely is getting transformed by technology, but you're not gonna be able to go online and uh, you know take a course offered by a tech company and then like, hey, I'd like to practice medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's uh, Doug Lederman, one of the founders of Inside Higher Ed, uh, made a good point uh, at a WASC conference a few years ago that the public thinks of the American higher education system. There is no higher education system. There's multiple ecosystems. So TCS lives largely in this word world of uh, passionate adult students seeking pretty sophisticated levels of education. So how we market, how we teach, 
how we enroll absolutely shifting in response to technology at the same time, shifting or staying static in response to regulatory agencies, professions that will have as big a say as, as the tech companies. So that, that, that I, I'm a big embracer of technology, but right. we, we make a mistake with higher ed. Uh, they're the quickest to change, you know, but now we're seeing, as we learn about layoffs in, in this economy, uh, the tech companies are going to be the first to contract. And we're, not everyone is training to work at Google. Exactly. We're all going to use Google, but not everyone is going right. to earn their living or be fulfilled or get a job there. We talk a lot about it on the show. Schools are really struggling today to make the same ad spend work. CPMs are up 89% year over year on Facebook and Instagram. Our college clients are no longer looking for rented audiences. They're looking for an own community where they can engage students even before they apply. This is why Zemi has become so crucial for our clients. With over 1 million students, close to 10,000 five-star ratings, consistently ranked as one of the top social apps, and recently one of Apple's hot apps of the week, there simply isn't anything out there like it, and we have seen it all. Zemi not only provides the best space for student engagement, but the most unique and actionable data for their 160 college and university partners. We know firsthand from our clients that Zemi is a must-have strategy for Gen Z. Check them out now at colleges.zemi.com. That's colleges.zeemee.com. And yes, tell them Barton Troy sent you. Thank you, Dr. Horowitz. And I'm going to encourage our listeners to investigate and research TCS and what you're doing there, because I think there's a lot of great that is happening that others can learn from. I do want to switch gears a little bit because I want to make sure we offer some advice for the schools that aren't uh, in a consortium like yours. But we also know that you have some expertise in benchmarking and would like to ask how you feel schools can better utilize benchmarking and uh, attain progress within what they're currently doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm pretty basic in this regard. I'll give you a few. I'm sometimes amazed that people are not using these benchmarks. And I, I, I will say on any given day, not everything we do works in a given day, a given year. So our arrows aren't always up. From one standpoint, if you're a nonprofit college, you need to be operating with the goal of a surplus each and every year. That's a pretty basic metric. It's, it's stunning, actually, how many colleges don't. And then they're wondering why things are getting tougher, why they're discounting more. I mean, there's a lot behind that. Get your business model right. But if you're losing money every year, there's, it's, it will start to spiral out of control. We're so lucky. We're not lucky because I think we choose people well. Our colleges do. Our leaders are really committed to that. Sometimes there's a tough year they don't have it, but because you know, 80, 90 percent of the year they are, they have that cushion. We are laser focused on student success. The most important metric is how many students complete and graduate. And then a further metric is people, hopefully since 
we're meeting for the first time, you won't be tired of me talking about it. People get tired of me saying the loan default rate is, is critical. And people say, well, that's kind of away from education. Like, no, most students are borrowing money. It's a big commitment to get to a certain place in life. Uh, we hope not only to have a rewarding profession, but they've been changed and impacted by learning and practicing that profession. We want to see them finish the program, get licensed if they're in a licensure program, and pay back the loan. That tells us that all the way through it's working. Right. So that, that those are first and foremost among the metrics. The student ones, if the student ones are working, if you're graduating most of the students, if they're paying back their loans, the rest will follow on the budgets. We, we have a remarkable you know, data and reports. So we, of course, look at inquiries and applications and conversions. But at the end of the day, we don't care if we have more inquiries or less. We want to get applications from qualified students and, more importantly, get them to where they hope to go. Yeah, I think that that's such an important thing when you talk about benchmarking because I, I often talk um, here on the podcast, we've had a lot of conversations about it as well as just direct conversations when I talk with my clients is just, you know, what are those key performance indicators? I mean, you've talked about some more um, macro, you know, benchmarking with, with uh, default loans and, and, you know, retention to graduation rates and things like that. But I think even when we get down into the marketing uh, you know, when we're looking at, as you just kind of alluded to, you know, those campaigns of, of what are our conversion rates? What are what are we looking at? And, and having the ability and the tools to be able to set up those key for, key performance indicators, know the ones that we should be looking at and looking for. I still find a lot of people are confused on, you know, whether impressions are important or conversions are important. I mean, you know, I, I'm more concerned about how many students I have in the fall or in the next cycle rather than how many people saw my billboard on the interstate. And so I, I, I want to make you're, sure. You're exactly right. Don't, don't get confused by the glitzy right. and, and your core markers, right? What, what are we interested in? Enrollments of qualified students. Uh, we, I mean, I know enough to be dangerous. I do love marketing, but we have great leadership in our marketing team. I rely on them for the expertise. But I know that currently we're experimenting with really dialing down lead vendor, as an example, right. and really focus on better quality applications. The best ones, you know, are the ones that will find us through our own website. So, yeah, if inquiries go way down, but we end up with equally strong or hopefully better starting class, then that's even better. The yeah. other uh, thing recently, uh, and we, I, I think it's critical from a culture standpoint to always look at what's going on in the larger world. So we, we have an annual operating review with all of our college leadership teams. We had a great marketing panel of some of our major outside vendors and the representative from Google made a really interesting point, a way that people could get. She asked someone how they got to the meeting that day, and the person said, you know, I drove my car. And she said, uh, but yeah, uh, what about the highway? What about the traffic? Uh, how did you get there? So what we realized 
what was really tangible is someone may have clicked on our website, but they had eight different engagements that we haven't captured. Right. Because they talked to an alum, uh, they went to a healthcare setting, and their psychologist was an alum. They maybe saw the billboard. So it's uh, that was a very interesting point. The other one she said is that now 96%, if I'm remembering correctly, of time online is spent looking at videos. Oh, that's really interesting. It's it's that fascinating. Is, that, so, yeah, I may have gotten, I may be, don't hold me to that number, but it was very high. Uh, that certainly suggests that we should be producing compelling video. Yeah, <laughs> as part yeah, of the I, I agree with you. And I know that TCS spends a lot of times focused on on adult learners. And, and a lot of the work that, that um, you know, I have experience in is, is kind of in that small to medium-sized school. Because a lot of times those schools are the ones that are really leveraging the adult learning and the online, you know, modality to make sure that they can kind of, you know, increase their net revenue. And so I think that, um, you know, I'm curious when you start thinking about everything that TCS is doing to, to kind of serve those schools for that adult learning, you know, as you put it, the professional and the licensing types of things with nursing and psychology and those types of things. I feel like it's, um, you know, there's a lot of probably the biggest thing that I could say, and I, I guess I'm trying to get you to kind of validate this and what I'm hearing and what you're seeing is that, um, you know, you have to, you have to market differently to adults than you do traditional students. And I think a lot of schools fail to think about that. They think it's as easy as just, well, if we buy some Google ads and we're good and we're set, right? I mean, we just run them through the yeah. same admission no, program. I a hundred percent agree with that. I'll take it. Even, I shared with our marketing team recently Another uh, organization I admire is the uh, Zingerman Community of Businesses, and their co-founder, Ari Weinswag, has a, an interesting weekly uh, email where he both sells his product, their food business, but has kind of a philosophical take on business. And what he wrote about recently was marketing with dignity. And what you're describing when you, when you do the Google ads Where's the substance? To me, marketing with dignity is we're authentically and transparently conveying what is positive about our institution, what the program is. There's historically been this thought of, you know, let's hide the in information and then they'll want it more. And that we're living in an age where we have to be very transparent, the cost, the benefit, here's how the program works. So to market well, you have to, the institution has to be geared to that student. You have to have faculty that are embracing of the student that comes with work and life experience. So I'm at a great interaction at Pacific Oaks, one of our colleges one time, a, uh, a prospective student was being brought through uh, with admissions uh, and I, I happened to be with my wife, who's an early childhood psychologist, so very resonant with what Pacific Oaks does. And we stopped and had a chat about, you know, this student was currently working as an early childhood teacher. And my wife was, well, you're going to love it here because, you know, those are the students that come here. You're going to get to apply what you're doing every day with the classroom. The faculty really work that way. You could see her face brighten yeah. because a lot of institutions don't think of that. And so it doesn't matter how many Google ads if the student comes in. And I've literally seen 
faculty at some institutions say, no, we don't want any prior experience. You know, the student's an empty carton, and our job is to fill it. Right. But, you know, the other thing I'll say about the nomenclature, the majority of American higher ed today are working adults, even the undergrads. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the last number I saw was they're 25 years old, and most of them have jobs. So the the uh, the campus with the 18 to 22 year old, it's still a big segment. It's not the majority. So I, I, I'm not sure why we talking about that is traditional. Maybe traditional is right. It's certainly not the norm. Right. And so, yeah, we, we have to approach students fundamentally different way. And that will, of course, inform the marketing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it has to be a, a whole different way of looking at the student and the experience rather than just saying, oh, well, it, the only difference is the modality and the age. Well, no, there's a whole different way of looking at it from a marketing standpoint and what their needs are, how they make their decisions, how they respond to, you know, why they respond in the way that they do. I mean, they're checking off boxes that I need to get this done, I need to do this, and I need to go do my laundry. I don't have time to. Yeah, and they, and, and they uh, you're absolutely right when you say competing with life. Uh, and we're, we're gonna do a project uh, with Google Analytics in the coming years, uh, led by our chief academic officer and some of our other great leaders to try and understand if we can earlier in the journey is it academic is it financial is it personal what can we do to intervene and help right that's great dr horowitz that's really fascinating when i think about how adult students are different and and i think that it goes back to and and you know with your background in in um psychology and, and different things like that there's a true uh, psychology of marketing. Could you talk on that for just a moment? Because I think a lot of times as higher ed marketers, we tend to forget that. And even at some of the smaller faith-based schools, there's a tension that they feel like, well, I'm manipulating someone. Talk about that a little bit. Well, that and, and that's why I absolutely uh, believe in Ari Weinzweig's idea of marketing with dignity. I, I don't want to trick anyone to coming to our school. I, I want, in fact, I want 100% knowledge and awareness because the program won't be easy it will be it will be very rewarding um what does that mean personalized information at every touch point so our marketing team which produces incredible content you know they're they have both print and digital magazines as an example different students have different interests some want to know about the faculty some want to know about the time to do, do degree so we have found a way to personalize it and then of course we're finding uh the way we learn i think we follow this all the way through we have a fabulous instructional design team working with our faculty because they're, they're going to be some students need more of you know printed instruction and some are going to do better with videos i think a core thing for us going back to our name, the community solution. If you want to call it selling, and it has the benefit of being 100% true, we want to convey, come to our programs, you will have a sense of community. And the most thrilling thing is you see that when you go to our graduations, the alumni, the new alumni will talk about this. What got me through was this feeling there were people like me, the faculty and staff really supported me, uh, 
in, in the very difficult circumstance of being a parent, having a job, going to school, I always felt there was a community surrounding me for success. So you, it turns out you can actually market that. Uh, and that, that's, I, I think, uh, and I think when you talk about adult learners, but I would guess that's gonna work. There's 18 year olds are looking for a certain thing too. So you wanna tailor uh, to what, in that case, maybe parents, you're right. marketing to parents. We, we don't market as much to parents. It's an interesting, for some of our younger students, there may be an element right. of, of still uh, parents are the consumer. But we, we wanna talk to them about, we're gonna envelop you in a, in a learning and professional community that we know has a high chance to get you out on the other side. That's great, thank you. We wanna close our conversation with you, Dr. Horowitz, by asking you if there's a piece of advice that you would give other marketers that they could implement right away that comes from your TCS system. We've talked about this for years. Uh, don't try to sell things that you don't have authentically in the education. So just because you saw a great ad, a great magazine, a great video from another institution, before you go and copy that, say, can I support this all the way through? Mar marketing is so important. It's how we tell the world uh, about ourselves. Make sure you have an authentic message. If you say, I'm going to recruit working adult students, okay, ask yourself, have I set up evening and weekend classes? Do I have online maximized to the extent that program allows? Uh, do I understand what the students in this program will need in terms of support? That, then the marketing uh, becomes really fun uh, because then you can, you can you can ask the students in the program, you can ask the graduates. I mean, some of our best videos are videos that we, we take uh, interviewing students as they graduate. And, it, and you can, they will describe for our future prospective student what was so great about the experience they had at our colleges. So I, I guess I'd say marketing, critically important and connect it to everything else uh, in the organization. Be, approach these key areas like finance, like marketing, like enrollment, academics in, in a cohesive way. Dr. Horowitz, thank you very much for being a guest on the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. We appreciate what you've brought to our listeners today. For our listeners that would like to reach out and contact you, maybe get more information about what you offer, how would they best do that? Well, first of all, let me uh, thank you, Troy and Bart. Very engaging conversation. I would love it if people would come to our website, tcsedsystem.edu. It's going to tell you a lot about how we radically cooperate, and you'll be able, be able to click through to each one of our colleges and their websites as well. And then I'd be happy if people would take a look on my LinkedIn at Dr. Michael Horowitz. I publish regularly uh, in the Forbes Nonprofit Council, and I link the articles there on my LinkedIn, as well as podcasts and other content uh, like this great discussion we've just had. 
thank you. Bart, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I thought this was a great conversation. And Dr. Horowitz, thank you so much for being on the show. A couple things that I wanted to kind of point out as, as takeaways for our listeners. And if you need to go back and listen to part of this again, I would encourage you to do that. We talked a lot about radical collaboration. And I think that um, the what Dr. Horowitz and the, and the TCS system are doing is, is pretty phenomenal. And I think it's, a, it's, it's something that's going to need to continue to develop. I think he had kind of said at the beginning about the idea of being able to see more and more of those types of systems happening. But I would also challenge you just internally in your own college, in your own cabinet level, radical collaboration anywhere is going to benefit everything. And so being able to work together as a marketing team with the enrollment team, being able to work as an enrollment team with the student success and student life team, everyone working together and collaborating in a radical way for the end user, the student, is going to really make a big difference in your institution. So I would really, really take that up on, on some of the ideas that Dr. Horowitz has talked about. I would also really like to point out the fact that we talked a lot about the idea of unique and authentic messaging. And I, especially we talked a lot about the adult students and the idea that there's going to be different audiences, the idea of creating different personas and different marketing aspects of, to these audiences and being able to deliver your authentic message. I think to Dr. Horowitz's point, you need to really be authentic and de define who you are as an institution. You're not going to attract every student out there, nor should you. You should attract the ones that are going to succeed the most at your institution. And being authentic and leading with that, I think that's going to be the, the key for you to really have some success in that. And I think another thing just that kind of is the overarching thing that we've talked about here today that we didn't really define, but there's a great book called Story Brand, and it's the idea that when you are doing any kind of marketing, you want to use the your end user as the hero. And, and, and your school then is the supporting. It's, it's kind of like the, the Luke Skywalker and, and Yoda. Your student is the Luke Skywalker, and you're going to help them with their journey, and you're going to be the Yoda to come along. But when you're doing your marketing, it's not about you as the school. It's about the student and where they're going to be at the end of the day because of the experience that they had with you. And so we want to make sure that everything that we're doing from a marketing standpoint is radically collaborating with others on campus. We're delivering our unique and authentic story, and we're focused on the fact that the student is the hero. So thanks again, Dr. Horowitz. It's been a great pleasure to have you on the show. That, that was a great summary and uh, something for me to learn with that reference. Thank you for a great conversation. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution company combining print, digital, and mailing for higher ed solutions. On behalf of Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.